Good morning, everybody. I would like to welcome you all to investor presentation of uh, FL Smith annual result for 2021. I would like to present you uh, the presenters today. I'm speaking, Mikko Keto, and our new CEO for the company, accompanied by Roland Anderson, who's the, our, our CFO. And we have a quite smiley faces here. It means that uh, we are pleased about last year's result. And, and uh, if you want to look at uh, our roles as well, uh, you might want to highlight that I will focus a lot on EBITDA and EBITDA improvement, and then Roland is uh, focusing on CAS. I would like to remind you about uh, forward-looking statements that we will be discussing during this call, and of course, the future that can deviate. I'm extremely proud of uh, FSMIT result for, for the fourth quarter and for full year. And if I talk about full year, we've been advancing in all of our key KPIs, orders, revenues, and EBITDA, and at the same time, strong cash flow for the company. Also, there were some significant milestones during the year for the company. Tusen Group acquisition was announced in the summer of, of 21, and we successfully raised capital to fund it. We committed to science-based targets, it's a significant milestone in sustainability commitment. We introduced Mission Zero Mine and in cement, first full-scale uh, clay calcination order that we received. We'll talk today more about market outlook in a bit, but uh, what we can say about mining market, mining market is positive. It was good last year, it's good this year. In cement, the market is still challenging with overcapacity, and uh, we are looking at recovery midterm and emergence of the green cement market. Ron, we go more into the guidance in a bit, but in the guidance figures, it's impacted by a backlog that we have, and the backlog what we're executing, especially in, in, in mining and large share of the capital, but we will go into details of that in a bit. Mining revenue grew 10% during 2021, and that is evidence that uh, we were successful with our supply chain and deliveries. And we updated uh, in January also that uh, the execution of capital projects even exceeded a little bit our expectation in the last part of the year. Backlog has been increasing a bit for the, for the aftermarket service. It means that order to deliver cycles are getting a bit longer, but of course that is also uh, applying for, for the capital market. But as a whole, we've been successful in executing uh, our deliveries. The challenge in the market has been more with the cost escalation in the supply chain and some logistic challenges. A result shows that uh, we mitigated impact of the material cost increases 
and increases in logistics costs. And we were able to post the EBITDA margin of 9%. On the bottom, there's a note that EBITDA margin adjusted for the TK acquisition cost, taking that out would have been 9.9. I was actually talking to Roland that if we add enough decimals, that is round up to the 10, but Roland said it's 9.9. So that is what it is. And we are focusing on EBITDA margin improvement in the mining going forward. We had a stellar fourth quarter in terms of the order intake for mining. Significant growth in order intake both in service and capital. On annual level it's 4%. But if you remember the first quarter 2020, we got one of the biggest orders ever in the history of F.L. Smith for mining. And on, on, on back of that, then the growth rate for the order intake is 4%. But if you neutralize impact of that one, it's really high growth, both in capital and service for mining business. Strategic rationale of acquisition of TK mining is solid. We go through the portfolio in detail and it's highly complementary and we are adding some critical elements to FL Smith portfolio that we are weaker today. It's adding to our full flow sheet ambition from pit to plant so that we can cover pit better but also of course adding some critical products to the plant portfolio. The significant opportunity in Tyson Group Mining to improve the aftermarket service performance. And synergy case is, is compelling, it's based on cost synergies and we know that we can deliver that. Integration planning is on track and so is antitrust process. No surprises there. In cement, we talk about value over volume and we change the focus in cement for profitability over volume. It means that this year we will be making profit in the cement business with a positive EBITDA margin, but also last year there was significant improvement from a year before. In cement business, we focus on process technology products and services and projects we are very selective where we participate and they need to have a green credentials for us to be interested in that. We are working with the customers who are committed for green transitions applying new technologies, new processes to achieve that one. But it's value over volume for cement. On quarterly, order intake development wasn't very strong uh, for cement for the last quarter, but I'm more interested in progress in the service. So on annual level, the service progress has been really good for cement in terms of getting new orders. And as Roland will touch the, the uh, forecast for the year, we are estimating uh, uh, cement to move sideways in terms of volume, but we are improving profitability. 
And that is our strategy that we focus on profitability and don't take orders that we might regret two years later. Now handing over to Roland for more details of the financials. <clears throat> Thank you for that, uh, Miku. Uh, so let's just have a quick glance at the financial uh, head numbers. So <clears throat> as uh, Miku mentioned, we're moving uh, ahead on most of uh, the key, uh, key KPIs. Order intake is up by uh, 4% and revenue is up by 7% consolidated. Also, our gross margin is uh, up a notch, and uh, <clears throat> our EBITDA moves forward by 34% to an EBITDA margin of 5.9%. So, clearing financial costs and taxes, <clears throat> we end up with a profit and loss for the group of 357 million uh, DKK. Uh, included in this result is uh, acquisition cost of 107 million related to the TK uh, uh, acquisition. And without that, the uh, EBITDA margin would be 6.5%. <clears throat> if you look a little bit on uh, our revenue, uh, our revenue uh, for, uh, for Q4 grew by, by 19%. It grew approximately uh, 20% in both of the, the two industries. But what is important here is that our capital revenue grew significantly uh, more than service in mining and also slightly uh, more in cement, <coughs> uh, where capital grew by 25% versus service of 20%. And this is important to understand in terms of uh, that this translates directly to an EBITDA margin. And as you know, that the capital revenue is, is, is weighing down on, on our average EBITDA margin, uh, especially in, um, in mining. <coughs> but if you look at the right-hand side, we're moving forward 7% uh, for the year and a Q by Q increase in uh, revenue and uh, uh, a traditionally strong Q4 here, 2021, where we executed better, and especially mining capital led us to also uh, beat our guidance from around 17 to 17.6 uh, uh, billion in revenue. Uh, if you look at our gross margin in, in nominal uh, kroner gross profit, it's going up Q by Q uh, during the year, which looks good. Uh, our gross margin, though, is uh, uh, trailing a little down the last two quarters, again uh, impacted by uh, the uh, capital share of total revenue, especially in mining, but also a little bit uh, supply chain costs sitting in, uh, in these margin numbers. And on the right-hand side, we see that mining is, is down by a percentage point uh, compared to same quarter last year, and this is uh, directly attributable to the higher capital revenue and uh, cement is impacting by a final closure of uh, an O&M contract that we uh, uh, finally closed out uh, by end of the year. Our SG&A ratio uh, improved to 13.9% for Q4 uh, uh, compared to the same quarter last year. It's up by 4%, and the percentage uh, obviously benefit from a relatively high revenue in Q4 that was uh, seasonally driven. Uh, in this number sits uh, for the fourth quarter this year, 37 million of costs related to uh, the Tusen Group mining business acquisition. <clears throat> if you look at the EBITDA margin development, uh, we posted 6.6% uh, in Q4 alone. This is now the highest uh, quarterly EBITDA margin we have had since uh, the pandemic outbreak. On the right-hand side, we see that this is predominantly uh, uh, the revenue pickups, so a, a, a significant operating leverage 
Uh, the decrease in gross margin of 74 million is, is, is a little bit uh, supply chain costs and so on, but predominantly the capital revenue share. And also the 37 million in this quarter sits in the pizza margin. And we ended at uh, 338 million uh, of a pizza in uh, Q4 21. Our networking capital improved uh, significantly in Q4. Uh, networking capital ratio uh, uh, went down as good as uh, 6%. Uh, on the right-hand side, we see that this is predominantly driven by uh, a large amount of prepayments that uh, came in in, uh, in Q4. We had actually expected some of this later in, in 2022, but we managed to, to get that in, in in Q4. Also, we have cleared uh, a chunk of our VIP assets, and we continue to, uh, to do quite well. The organization have done really well in steering our receivables and our total receivables uh, out of Q4 revenue is, is, is improving compared to the same uh, quarter uh, last year. And all that leads to a strong uh, cash flow in uh, Q4 2021. On the right-hand side, that we see that this is predominantly driven by the EBTA, as it should be, but also a strong positive change in networking capital. And... Uh, 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 clearing, clearing taxes and finances, then CFFO for the group was 1.449 uh, billion uh, Danish kroner for, uh, for the year. And uh, deducting CFFI and a few M&A adjustments, then a free cash flow for the group of 1.185 billion uh, for the year. And that leaves us with a, uh, a strong uh, capital structure. We're well within uh, our, our own targets, an equity ratio of 45%. And also our net interest-bearing debt turned to a, a net asset after we raised capital of 1.4 billion net uh, in September 2021. And obviously, uh, this, is, this is now sitting and uh, waiting for us to, uh, to pay for the TK mining acquisition that anticipatedly uh, closes in the second half of 2022. Uh, so in line with our <coughs> intention to... Uh, to drive uh, the mining industry and the cement industry a bit more uh, independently. We are also now stepping forward and start to, uh, to guide separately on the two industries. And for the mining uh, industry, that means, as Miko uh, said, that we are positive on uh, the mining industry and the market outlook. We think 2021 was a, was a good year for mining and 2022 will be similarly a good year. Uh, mining revenue on Ibiza is expected to grow in 2022. A lot of that is driven by our existing uh, backlog. And it's important, uh, bullet three here, to understand that the mining Ibiza margin will be impacted by a relatively high share of capital revenue. Capital revenue that we are conver converting from our backlog, and this is orders all the way back from 2020 that we are now executing for the first predominantly three quarters of 2022. But there will also sit a bit of uh, a higher logistics cost and a little bit inflationary pressure in our cost base. And uh, uh, further, we have uh, for now uh, anticipated that we will spend 110 million in integration costs between now and until uh, the Tusen Group mining uh, transaction anticipatedly close uh, in second half of 2022. And that all means that revenue in the mining industry is now expected to be between 12 and 13 billion Danish kroner. 
and any beta margin of 8.5 to 9.5, including, as I mentioned, the, the higher capital revenue share and also including uh, 110 million DKK in integration cost. Similar for uh, cement, uh, as we have said, you know, we will move sideways in cement revenue-wise. And this context, that means 5.5 to uh, 6 billion in uh, turnover. We have closed a few O&M contracts down during 2021. So this is a low margin revenue that will drop out. Uh, and um, also cement uh, business is not expected to, to uh, or the, the cement market is not expected to improve uh, significantly in the short term. And uh, our business will be impacted by, by logistic cost and also a certain element of inflationary uh, pressure. And as we have promised, uh, or, in, or at least planned for uh, during 2021, also 2022 will now be in black uh, EBITDA numbers, however low. So uh, one to two percent in EBITDA margin, um, and that is uh, quite well done by the uh, industry, uh, cement industry organization here that they brought the business back to black numbers for for second half of 21, and now continue to move forward. Uh, with profitability and uh, with focus on profitability over, over volume. And if we add up these numbers on group level, that means that the group will uh, deliver a revenue of between 17.5 and up to 19 billion and an EBITDA margin of 6.7%. Just important to note that this is a standalone FL Schmidt guidance. It does not include any impact from the combination with the Tusen Group mining business and it includes the 110 million in integration costs. Then we expect, uh, as soon as the, uh, uh, the transaction closes, we will update our financial guidance and include uh, uh, impact from, uh, from the TK mining business accordingly as we move forward from, uh, from there on. This guidance is obviously subject to uh, uncertainty, primarily from the pandemic, the global supply chain situation and also the geopolitical turmoil we see around the world these days. And with that, I will give it back to uh, Miko. Thank you, Roland. We introduced uh, Mission Zero Mine in 2021. The idea is that we take holistic view from pit to plant and optimize the whole mining operation from sustainability point of view. And, and uh, we've done the same for all different applications, copper, cold, lithium, you name it. And, and uh, we are looking at how to maximize the productivity and minimize Im uh, impact for this uh, environment. And with that combination, uh, we know that we can achieve significant benefits for our clients. And we are engaged with many of our customers in detailed discussion about what can be done for the greenfield and, of course, for the brownfield operations. And important is always to have a holistic view rather than picking one product out of the flow sheet and say that this, this will change everything. Holistic view is only right view in, in mining. We've done the same for cement operations. Big commitment, what we had done uh, last year, is our commitment for science-based targets. And we set internal uh, 
KPIs targets for our personnel to improve economic intensity year on year. And now we're in the process of unbundling that KPI so that we can tell people exactly what to do and how to influence positive that KPI. It's not about only about the high-level KPI, but organization understanding what actions, what improvements help us to improve uh, economic intensity. We have very clear management agenda for the company. For mining, profitability and growth. We know that uh, in the good market like mining market, we can do both at the same time. We only take business that is good business also in two years of time, as I said. For cement, growth is a bit of more challenging, but in cement, we make sure that it's profitable business and we run it sustained as a sustained profitable cement business going forward. And we are able to invest money back then to the, to the R&D for the green future. Mission Zero, sustainability, remains cornerstone of our strategy and management agenda. One of the biggest events this year will be integration of Tyson Group mining business into FL Smith in the second half of the year. That is clear management focus. And at the same time, we started de-risking our project portfolio already last year. We continue to do that. And when we talk about order backlog, I know from last year that the quality of the orders is improving. When I talk about quality of the orders, I talk about low risk and, 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 and higher margin. So we know that we are working through the portfolio and, and uh, order intake, and we are advancing in that area as well. Then uh, I would like to invite uh, questions from the, from the investors and from the audience uh, for me and uh, Roland, please. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question for the speakers, please press zero and one on your telephone keypad and you'll enter a queue. After you are announced, please ask your question. Please hold until we have the first question. The first question is from Magnus Kuber, UBS. The line is now open. Please go ahead. Hi, Miku Roland Magnus here from UBS. A couple of questions from me. And first on the on the revenue guidance or it strikes me as a bit conservative. I think you have about two billion more for deliveries this year compared to last. And uh, even at the upper end of the guidance range, I think your sales growth only implies a 1.5 billion increase. What, 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 is, what is the delta here, and what, why should we expect uh, in for out orders this year to be to be down? I think um, so. So first of all, uh, there will be a a large part of of capital revenue that comes from uh, from the backlog. And that will be timed accordingly, uh, especially in, in mining. And secondly, <clears throat> I think there will also be a little bit of delay. You know, we are not expecting the supply chain challenges to be, you know, completely gone within a quarter or two quarters. And that's not only things we can, uh, you know, mitigate by cost and so on, but it may also delay things a little bit. So there's a little bit of elastics in, uh, in the execution plans 
And that's, uh, that's how you should think about the, the revenue guidance. And, and, and we are all the time working uh, with our capital, or especially capital organization, uh, looking at the backlog, uh, looking at uh, estimated delivery times and so forth. And, and uh, as Roland said, there's a, it's a bit of a moving target so, uh, because of the global logistics. Okay, so um, what can be perceived as being somewhat conservative, that's mainly due to logistics challenges rather than geopolitical risks or anything else that you have taken. It's into. actually not meant as conservative, it's meant as, as realistic. And uh, so we'll see how we go as we play. And if we look at Q4, uh, obviously we, we delivered a bit more than we, we had guided. But important to note is that, that the, the margin was not necessarily following because there was a large chunk of, of capital revenue. I think that, that's what's important when, when understanding uh, our guidance for, for 2022. Okay, got it. Thank you, Thank you so much. That's my first one. And, uh, could you also add some color on what drove the higher than expected uh, equipment invoicing through 21 on the mining side, on the OE side? Is that sort of uh, project-specific dynamic, or was it a sort of a broad-based over-delivery? It, it has to do with, uh, with uh, some of the capital projects that, uh, uh, so because we were anticipating that uh, end of the year there's sometimes uh, issues in logistics and, and uh, deliveries. So uh, the flow through uh, through the logistics flow was slightly better than anticipated, and it had mainly to do with the uh, capital projects rather than uh, rather than anything else. Okay, so it was a broad-based impact driven by logistics rather than some of the bigger projects that you had last year that was sort of particularly better, right? Well, both, both, right? So, so the logistics issues were not as harsh as we had anticipated, and that also meant that we were clearing some of the bigger projects faster. Got it. Thank you. And then on um, the mining service revenue growth, it came in at 5% in, in the quarter, and that compares to high teens or even... 20s growth over the final three quarters of, of, of last year. Should we, when, when should we expect the, the, the um, aftermarket invoicing to, to kick in on at the same at the same rate? So we, what we are seeing in in the in the in the aftermarket order order to delivery cycle getting a bit longer. So lead times from order to delivery are a bit longer than they used to be. Uh, we we don't have a major issue in 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 deliveries, but just kind of. Is getting longer, and that is visible. That that we are we are building a, a backlog, basically uh, more than we can deliver, and that was visible also in the latter part of the year. That that uh, order intake was was growing faster than than, than revenue. So it's kind of building backlog uh, uh, on back of the uh, a little bit longer delivery times for 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 parts. Okay, got it. Thank you. And just one final one, if I can squeeze that in. I think Roland, you mentioned. Uh, higher OE invoicing in, in the first three quarters of, of, of this year. Could you sort of add a little bit more color on, on sort of how, how the invoicing sort of trajectory would be? Would Q1 be the highest and then slowly slope down towards Q4? Or how should we think about the balance? I think, uh, think Q1 and Q2 will, will most likely be, be, be the highest ones and it's slightly better in Q3 and then it starts to trail off. Great. Thank you so much. Okay, back in line. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from last Comedy. The line is now open. Please go ahead. Yes, hello, guys. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, a couple. Uh, on your uh, cash flow slides, 
I can see that the uh, cash flow from continuing activities is almost 200 million higher than the group uh, cash flow from operations. I, I just wonder uh, what makes up the difference. Is that a cash outflow of almost 200 million from discontinued activities? How does that work? Uh, and then uh, a, a second question, and I apologize, but it goes to, to, to again to the revenue guidance. I am I'm not sure I completely understood uh, your, your answer. So revenue that is not currently in the backlog should, according to your guidance, drop from around $8 billion to somewhere between 6 and $7.5 billion. And I simply don't understand why you, you expect that. So if you can explain it so even I understand, I'd be grateful. And then a final uh, short question that goes on, on the cash flow outlook for 2022 because you elaborated to prepayments having taken in somewhat earlier than expected and you also had a significant positive networking capital swing so uh, taking that into account what kind of, of uh, I guess underlying pressure on cash flow would it be fair to assume for 2022 if any? Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that, uh, Lars, and maybe I should start on that. So the, the, the discontinued activities, remember in, in uh, Q2, uh, we, uh, Q2, Q3, we had a uh, bank guarantee pulled against us uh, of $130 million on a, a uh, case that is currently running on, on the discontinued business. And there's also been a few operational costs uh, in, in, uh, in trying to sort of get that sorted and uh, and also a clearance of a, a VAT issue. So that, that explains the, uh, the difference between the group and then the discontinued activities. And on, on the revenue guidance, <clears throat> I'm not uh, sure what the on, uh, on clarity is. So we, we have a uh, backlog that will need to be converted at, uh, and some of those capital uh, projects are relatively uh, low margins. So that's one thing. The second thing is that the, the delivery times on uh, both on what's in the backlog and also uh, the order intake, the in-out orders, as we refer to, uh, you know, will be impacted by longer delivery times as, as a function of, of expected supply chain, chain issues. So that's, that's how you should, uh, you should think about it. Um, and then I think there was a question on the cash flow, and obviously we had a lot of prepayments in Q4, and those prepayments will, will be used, so to speak, to execute on the projects. And that means that uh, when thinking about our total cash flow, our working capital, I think we're not, we're not improving the level of uh, working capital uh, as a percentage of total revenue, so we should still think about a through the year sort of uh, working capital of 10, 10 plus percent of, of total revenue. That also means that that uh, that uh, cash flow will swing back during the year as we start uh, using some of these uh, pre prepayment to execute, so to speak. Very clear. Thank you very much, Holland. Next question is from Klaus Alma, Nordea. The line is now open. Please go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, also a few questions from my, my side. I will take them one by one. Uh, the first, uh, one of you talked about this capital orders and service revenue. Could you provide a likely split uh, between these two revenue streams, and would it be more, as we have seen in the second half of 21? That would be the first one. 
Yeah, so so the capital split will be closer to what we saw in uh, in Q4. In whole 2022. Yes, especially for the first three quarters. Yes. Uh, okay. Of course, if you if you remember that traditionally is is more. Uh, 60-40, and now we are more talking about uh, more 55-45, so it's a fairly significant shift in, in, in terms of the mix. Yeah, so more than half of the revenues will come from capital. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, looking at the projects you have in the backlog that were signed before commodity prices went up, or before the cost inflation started to happen, how are they, you know, impacted by cost inflation? That will be the second Question. Uh, mo- most of the contracts what we had uh, had a cost escalation clause, so that's pretty well covering the the uh, the, the capital business. And uh, of course, uh, uh, it's not automatic, so that triggers negotiations with the customers. And uh, we had many of those uh, during uh, last year, and and uh, we managed to to neutralize impact of uh, significant cost escalation in, in the capital business. Uh, uh, through those negotiations, and, and of course, uh, uh, that, for that reason, you can see that uh, the EBITDA margin, for example, for mining, uh, held up. So we didn't see uh, declining in the margin because uh, because of that. But it, it was very significant and, and uh, at times quite painful to talk to customers about that. Uh, that we need to now increase prices by X percent because of this and that. So it's. Uh, but I would say that that's one of the successes of last year that I would like to highlight that uh, we were able to neutralize impact of very significant cost inflation and I'm bearing in mind that in capital equipment out of the product cost is mainly material cost which is the, the main main product cost item. Okay and, and does that also account for, for, for the cement division I can understand that the mining miners is probably easier to talk to all the way of course, not not that easy, but easier. But within cement, it might be a different story. So, how how is it in, in cement division? It, it has been uh, has been similar, and, and uh, on supply side, uh, then of course, uh, uh, cement market is not booming. So that if you have sub suppliers that that are more working with the cement, there's not inherent ability of the sub suppliers and component suppliers to increase prices as there is in mining. So. Uh, also in cement, uh, the EBITDA result shows that we were able to mitigate the impact of that one. But uh, that inflation impact is more on the mining, not only because of material cost increases, but also the increase of global demand for the components and, and products. And, and therefore, of course, uh, sub-suppliers having more bargaining power. Okay, and then just a final question regarding the backlog. And sorry about, you know, also coming back to your revenue uh, guidance or the comments about revenue 2022. But uh, we're a little bit, you know, um, uncertain how to really understand your backlog comments. So the number you have in the annual report, is that your best guess? Or is it a, a yeah, how, how do you reconcile that number with the, the comments about longer sales cycles and, and supply chain issues and so on? Yeah, so this this is uh, you can say our best. This has been this has been somewhat adjusted for the expected delays. You can say yes, that that's right. The sixty nine percent. Thanks. Okay, thanks. That was all for me. The next question is from William Turner, Goldman Sachs. The line is open. Please go ahead. Hi there. A couple of questions from me. Um, the first one is. Um, 
again, kind of related to your backlog, but slightly more broader question. Um, obviously, we're uh, experiencing a much more inflationary environment, and some cost items are increasing quite rapidly at, at short notice. How do you feel about the um, current hedges and contractual agreements um, you have with your backlog um, that you might not um, get any kind of margin pressure in the future when it comes to actually shipping these orders in the future if the costs have increased? Do you feel like you have enough levers and feel comfortable um, with that scenario? If I, if I talk about uh, cap, first the capital equipment, uh, which is... Uh uh, kind of large unit equipment for the significant part of the, the price is, is basically uh, material cost. So what we are trying to do is that we are making quotations to customers with a short validity. And at the same time, we get commitment from the main suppliers for the same period of time. So it's back to back the commitment. And, and, uh, and, and uh, that has led to the fact that uh, quotation, for example, the validity is not uh, three months, it's not four months, it's uh, rather one month. And then we, for, for that period of time, we secure uh, key sub-suppliers' uh, uh, commitment for the price or cost, cost to us, and then delivery time. And then, then uh, typically, if there's a delay, we tell the customer that uh, we need to uh, recost, reprice the quotation because uh, we only had validity for, 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 for 30 days. So, so we are pretty well covered in, in, in the capital business, uh, getting key sub-suppliers to commit at the time when, when we get commitment from customer. But it's managed in the window so that uh, in that one-month window, we have a commitment from supply chain, we have a commitment from customer, and if there's delay, we need to recost, reprice the whole thing once, once again. Okay, great. And um, my second question is on the Tissa Group mining integration. Um, the costs that you've incurred so far, um, they've, they've, they're currently around like 100 million uh, Danish krona. And um, when the deal was announced, it was initially guided that it would be 110 million um, to be incurred prior to closing. So it feels like the integration costs are running kind of ahead of schedule. Um, is there anything meaningful behind this? Um, has, has this just been a bring forward of your kind of overall integration costs, or do you expect that the total costs will be higher than what's previously guided? Oh, so, so the way we actually is, is a little bit hot and cold water, right? But the, the, the money we spend in 21 is related to the transaction. That's how we think about it. And, uh, and, the, and the money we spend from now on and onwards is integration costs. And those relate to the 20% that you recall when we announced the deal. Is that clear? Okay. So yeah, clear. the 110 million that we now start spending in 2022 is part of our 75 million euro in total cost to complete. Yeah, that makes sense. The next question is from Vlad. Zerjevsky, Bank of America. The line is open. Please go ahead. Yes, good morning, gentlemen, and thanks for taking my questions. I'll start with Tyson Krupp. I mean, you announced a deal about six months ago. Uh, do we have visibility on what has happened to, like, project execution, backlog, order intake since mid-last year? 
are you receiving any periodic updates from Tyson on how these operations are performing? Uh, and also, Tyson um, Group obviously recently published their carved-out balance sheet for this operation, which showed a pretty big increase in contract liabilities, but no increase in cash. Is it, in any case, a concern for you, what this, this balance sheet evolution, I would say? That's, that's a first cluster of questions. If I, if I start and then Roland can, can complement, see, so, so that information would be in the clean room and, and myself and Roland don't have access for that because we are very strict for the antitrust uh, rules and, and, uh, and, and uh, so we don't have access to the kind of uh, clean room information uh, on day one. We will open it and it will be available. And, and so we are re- relying on, on what uh, uh, Tyssen Group is, is publicly quoting and publicly they are quoting that uh, the strategy of uh, improving profitability in the multi-track businesses and, and, uh, and, and the risking what they have commented publicly. We have no concern that it will not be progressing accordingly, so uh, based on the public information. But uh, as you know, because of the rules, uh, we don't have access to clean room uh, data at the moment. And Roland, do you want to? Yeah, so, so, so I think we can point back to what we have said in Q2, our Q2 and our Q3, where Tyson Group indicated that uh, especially their mining uh, uh, restructuring were, were progressing ahead of plan and, and significantly better than they had anticipated. And uh, so, so, so that's the latest we, we sort of are allowed to, uh, to communicate on. That's great. Thanks very much. And if I can ask uh, about contingent liabilities, uh, which you have reported, I mean, it's, it's a pretty sizable increase, about $600 million compared to early last year. I think most of them happened uh, before Q4, but probably Q4 has a small increase as well. Any chance you could disclose what, what actually drove this increase in these contingent liabilities? So, uh, so we did this. This is before Q4. This was Q1, Q2, and also Q3. So first of all, uh, there was a uh, case on our discontinued business where we had a, a bank guarantee uh, pulled against us. So that's a contingent liability. That's not a cost we have taken. This is clearly an issue that we are disputing. And uh, also we have an, an older case of over 200 million DKK referred to as the Tunisia case at our uh, annual general meeting back in 2020. That is part of this, uh, this increase. Uh, and then there's uh, there's a few other cases in Northern Africa and in, in, in India. But they are not strong enough for us to expense them, so they are just highlighted under contingent liabilities. Okay, thanks for this caller. And uh, the last one from me, if I may, uh, on the uh, supply chain uh, finance utilization. Uh, are you able to disclose the actual capacity of your uh, supply chain financing arrangements? Are we close to this capacity? Do you expect any further increase in supply chain financing in the coming quarters. And also, if you would be able to comment uh, on any financing receivables facilities which you have or don't have. Yeah, so, so thank you for that. So, so on our su- supply chain financing, uh, I think a couple of years ago, we had drawn uh, about a billion Danish kroner. And by the end of uh, 2020, it was around 270, and now we have drawn 490. So we have uh, more capacity. I don't think we anticipate that the suppliers will will go back to the 19 level, but we do have the capacity. Uh, so uh, so that was one question. What was the other question? Was that a question to our committed uh, death facilities? 
No, it was more about do you have any uh, financing for receivable facilities, like factoring or things like that. Oh, we don't. No, we don't have that. We have the supply chain financing arrangement that we see as a little bit of a loyalty program with certain of our suppliers. And then we have a, uh, a strong book of uh, committed bank facilities, both permanent revolving credit facilities, but also uh, an acquisition line uh, that we will utilize once we clear the uh, TK, uh, TK acquisition sum. That's great, Carla. Thanks very much, gentlemen. The next question is from Nick Hudson, RBC. The line is open. Please go ahead. Yes. Hi, everyone. Thank you for taking my questions. I have a couple. Uh, the first one, um, yeah, I guess we can compare our forecasts about the mining cycle and the impact from the ThyssenKrupp acquisition. Um, but it seems realistic to me, at least, that yeah, within a few years, possibly 90% of Group EBA will come from mining and, you know, correspondingly, actually less than 10% from cement. Um, and, and Mika, your background is mining. Uh, it, it feels like you know, most of the messaging has very consistently been that the company is much more of a mining equipment supplier um, than it is a cement supplier. Um, so I'm just wondering whether we're maybe moving closer to a possible sale of that cement business and, and maybe whether sort of the successful integration of the Tissan business could be sort of the catalyst for looking at that more seriously. Thanks. The line wasn't actually very good, so we, we might have uh, missed uh, part of the part of the question because uh, I don't know, Roland. But, but I think uh, if if we talk about I think uh, around uh, ThyssenKrupp uh, acquisition, and and uh, uh, just maybe mentioning that uh, we've introduced uh, uh, strict uh, kind of controls on our business on on on, on profitability uh, targets, both for the capital and service business. And, and uh, we apply very similar principles then uh, to Tussen Group uh, mining when we take over. And of course, then also uh, kind of de-risking, continue to de-risk the, the, the portfolio. And, and, uh, but I missed actually part of the question because of the, of the, of the line. Okay, so sorry uh, if, if the line is not that good. It, it was more about, um, you, you know, as the group becomes sort of 90% geared towards mining on a profit basis whether, you know, cement is becoming a bit redundant in group structure. Yeah, yeah. Now I understood the question. So, though, of course, uh, from turnover point of view, if we are seven, roughly 70% mining, 25% uh, cement, and, and uh, we know that uh, the EBITDA ambition and, and our ability to deliver EBITDA is greater in mining because the, the under, underlying growth of the business and also that uh, our, our customers are very profitable. Uh, so it, it over time, of course, uh, probably the mining share will increase. But, but at the same time, we have profitability target for cement. And, and uh, we don't sacrifice profitability for growth. So we, as I said earlier, we are very selective what we do in cement. So we really focus on making the business profitable and then investing back to the R&D to make sure that we have a best position in the market when green cement uh, kicks off. Uh, but in the meanwhile, you are right that share of the cement in relative terms most likely will, will decrease in, 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 uh, in F.L. Smith. Okay, that's very clear. Thanks. And, and, and then just um, a second question about the margin guidance, which, you know, maybe was a bit softer than consensus was expecting. Can you maybe just talk about the balance within that guidance 
between the negative mix effects from you know, having a higher equipment share, the benefits from operating leverage that you're expecting, you know, pricing benefits presumably, um, and then also kind of the scale of the commodity and supply headwinds within that guidance. So uh, we are actually internally setting targets to advance in profitability uh, both uh, for capital business and, and, and service business independently. So we want to see improvement in both buckets. And then, of course, then uh, when, you co- when, when you have a mix impact, then uh, at the totality or group level, then it mix has an impact. But uh, we have a clear uh, advancement. If I look at the backlog that uh, in the capital business, the new order intake coming to a backlog is, is uh, of, 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 of a slightly higher margin. And we see also positive development uh, uh, in, in the service business. So we, we are pushing uh, profitability, uh, EBITDA improvement in both businesses standalone. And then, of course, then there's, uh, in terms of volume, then there's a mixed impact. Uh, and and uh, we've seen uh, already during last year uh, uh, improvement in both. And, and uh, I might refer to the, uh, our auditors when they made a report, uh, uh, and the, one of their findings was that uh, this year everybody talks, about, everybody talks about profitability, and I think that's a culture change, that uh, we want to have profitability on everybody's agenda when, when they do, uh, do the daily business. That's great. Thanks very much. The next question is from Klaus Kiel, the credit market. The line is open. Please go ahead. Yeah, hello. Um, most of my questions have been asked by now, but uh, a question about Russia. Um, could you give us any flavor on, on what kind of assumptions you have used about your Russian um, uh, equipment orders for, for 22? And, yeah, any, any uh, thoughts about... Uh, what would be delivered in 22 and 23 to, to Russia? We actually analyzed uh, our Russia business carefully, and, and uh, we've used uh, uh, in our Russia business typical uh, principles for the project business that uh, uh, at any given time uh, we are cash positive in the cash curve for the project uh, against our, our kind of cash commitments, not only our outgoing cash, uh, cash, but also cash commitment to the supply chain. And also some of the uh, prepayments, what Roland mentioned earlier, are actually coming from, from, uh, from those projects. So uh, regard to Russia, uh, we are also working closely with the customers. Uh, the key customers we have there, actually our customers are high quality operators and, and very professional. And, and uh, we are managing the projects and business today as before. But, of course, we've done scenario planning for all eventualities and, and, uh, and, and uh, mapped uh, that if something happens end of this quarter, end of the month, so we have all the, all the scenarios fully, fully kind of planned for. But uh, uh, it is, of course, co- concern that uh, if, if, uh, if, uh, if the situation es- escalates, uh, uh, of course, from the mining industry globally, uh, Russia is a significant market, but... Uh, we are not overly concerned. We are concerned about, of course, about conflict, but we are not overly concerned about the uh, impact of any, any potential uh, uh, sanctions. And uh, Roland, maybe you can. I think it's, uh, as, as Miko says, I think we, have, we are pretty well structured from a, con- a contract point of view in, in uh, Russia. <clears throat> and uh, so the way we monitor this uh, daily and the way we think about it, if sanctions are 
being introduced, we will of course comply with them completely. And that also means that eventually we may have to pull out the resources from from ongoing projects in Russia and, and Kazakhstan and, and some of the uh, vicinity states and then deploy them uh, elsewhere. So in terms of, of how we look at it at our, our business, that means that there will be revenue that we cannot uh, execute on in, in 2022 and then we will have to come back once the sanctions are lifted. Um, so uh, I think it, uh, it will impact maybe 5 to 8% of the group's combined uh, uh, revenue depending on when and how the sanctions will potentially may be introduced. And as I said, our, our customer base in Russia is very, uh, they are good, high quality operators. And, and uh, if there's a delay in the project, it, they will not cancel it. It would be some th th certain things would be postponed, but they are strategic and, and they would uh, execute those as it becomes possible. Thank you very much. The next question is from Dominic Greiler, DNB. Your line is now open. Please go ahead. Hi, this is Dominic from DNB. A couple of questions. Uh, firstly, on the uh, inflation, you mentioned uh, higher pressure, uh, pressures, logistics, uh, uh, supply chain issues. Uh, can you give any numbers? Uh, how much were these kind of elements? Yeah, last year, and how much uh, of, uh, of uh, pressures are you expecting for this year? So, so looking at uh, last year, the inflation, of course, is different for, for different uh, components. But, uh, uh, of course, if, if you look at the steel price uh, increase in the beginning of the year, that's good guidance what is, uh, what is for some of the capital equipment uh, had an impact in the beginning of the year. Uh, and then, uh, then uh, as the pressure is off from the steel price, it's more the overall inflation, more driven by the demand than, than actually raw material increases. And, and, uh, and uh, from logistics uh, cost, uh, uh, there was cost impact, but uh, in, in the bigger scheme of things, uh, it wasn't very significant. It's, it was more how we execute the logistics rather than actually cost increase. So we actually had a good long-term agreements for the main, main, main operators in the world and, the, and, and uh, fixed prices, only that if we incur the case that we need to go outside that fixed agreement uh, with the logistic providers, we saw significant. Then we were hit by the uh, hike in the container prices, this and that. But we are committed routes, committed volumes, and for that, uh, the logistics partners held uh, pretty much the, the cost base and prices what we had before. And, and uh, uh, looking at this year, we are looking at the inflation, uh, Europe 5%, US uh, 7%. So I would say that, uh, that uh, overall inflation in the world, in everything, is also impacting us, and, and a good guidance is that it's, uh, it's impacting us at, at, at roughly at the same rate. So I don't think we are low or necessarily higher inflation, but it's just inflation is back, and, and uh, we, are, we are ready for that one in, in uh, basically in, in our internal estimates. So we are taking that into account in, in our pricing. We are taking that into account for the validity of the, of the offers, so that it's uh, a quotation sort of validity, and we have back-to-back -back commitment from, from suppliers then for that period of time. So uh, it's a little bit uh, maybe limiting the upside short term uh, for the for the EBITDA improvement. But uh, 
I think we can manage the downside. I don't think there's a downside for us, but, but it's, I would say it's rather limiting upside. Okay, uh, thank you. And uh, then uh, in cement, uh, if I understood uh, correctly, you have cleaned uh, backlog someone. Is there, is there a number for that? How much uh, have you removed those uh, lower margin uh, projects from the cement backlog? Uh, yeah, so, so uh, not so much the backlog. We have had a few uh, ongoing contracts that is not now being uh, sort of shut down or not, not, not extended. And that may be, you know, a couple of hundred million Danish kroner. Good, thank you. And uh, then lastly, uh, just uh, in terms of uh, demand environment, how has the year started in terms of uh, uh, customers' decision-making? No, I think uh, we've seen a high level of activity to continue. So there, there isn't anything from the high level activity last year. We haven't seen any change. So it seems that the uh, world continues, mining world especially continues as it was last year. We haven't seen any, any, any big variation in activity if we talk to our regional organization. So it's uh, just continue as it was uh, last year. Thank you. The next question is from Christian Turneux, SEB. The line is now open. Please go ahead. Sorry, um, is that uh, me? Hello. Yes, it's you. Oh, yeah, okay. Sorry. Um, I was uh, just a bit unworried here. Uh, thank you. My first uh, question, um, you just mentioned before that uh, the cost inflation will have a somewhat negative impact on your margin, at least in the short term. Uh, but I was wondering if you could elaborate a bit on just um, how strong, strong your pricing power is in this uh, current market. So uh, basically my question is, uh, yeah, to which extent you're able to offset uh, these support-based cost inflation with higher prices? and whether you're able to, to charge an additional margin on top of these uh, uh, cost hikes. Uh, so basically whether we should expect this uh, short-term uh, margin pressure to, uh, to kind of be uh, a new baseline, a new uh, normal, or if, uh, or if you're able to yeah, kind of charge uh, margins on top of this as well uh, going forward. Uh, if, if I look at the last year as, as, as a guidance for, for this year, uh, and if you look at the numbers, so uh, we were able to offset cost escalation with our price increases. And, and uh, there are two different markets. One is the service, uh, which is a more price list driven market uh, and value, value-based pricing driven market. And then, then, of course, heavy capital equipment where the cost uh, uh, plays a bigger element in, in the total pricing. And, and uh, last year, if I look at order intake, our order intake margin compared to the backlog uh, improved both in, uh, in, in uh, capital and service. But as I said, it's, it's limiting the upside. So we are advancing. A uh, little bit above the inflation, and, and it's already visible in some of the numbers. And, and uh, we, we are pushing for the same this year. But, there's, uh, but as I said, it's, uh, I think we can manage the downside, but it's a little bit limiting the upside because then if there's uh, underlying inflation and, and you are trying to do something on top, then it's, then it's, uh, 
bit harder uh, for the for the customers to accept. So uh, limiting upside, we are managing uh, that there's no no downside out of that one. So I'm confident of that. Okay, thank you. Um, and uh, just a very short question as well. Uh, can you uh, tell us anything? Uh, now you provided guidance uh, for 2022 for for mining and steamer as well. Uh, and uh, thanks for that. But can you tell us anything about when you expect to be back with the mid and long term guidance as well? Yeah, so, so the plan is that uh, first of all, we we're waiting to to welcome our new colleagues from TK and get that integrated, and then we'll update the 2022 guidance. And then uh, thereafter, we plan to uh, most likely have a, an up, updated. Uh, uh, update to our strategy, and then we'll do a capital markets day, and there we will uh, announce a little bit more on our our long-term uh, financial ambitions. Great, thank you. And uh, so I just have one last question, and uh, I apologize if uh, if I'm just uh, repeating questions. I had a bit of a problem with my line before, but um, my last question is uh, on uh, the impairment of your inventories. Uh, and I was wondering if you could elaborate just a bit on uh, what was driving the impairments of inventories in 2021, uh, because I guess with the continued high raw material prices, uh, that's not the, the driver of the impairments. So uh, why is it that you expect the uh, lower selling prices for some of your inventory? So, so we've had, uh, we have had a few uh, uh, restructuring initiatives on our geographical footprints, and uh, <clears throat> in connection with... Uh, we're changing that and also selling sites and so on. There has been a cleanup in what has been on inventories, and, and, and that's what you see in that number. Okay, great. Thanks. That's all from my side. Thanks. Welcome. The last question is a follow-up question from Magnus Kruger, UBS. The line is now open. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks a lot for taking my, my follow-up. I just wanted to come back to the M&A related costs you incurred in 21. I mean, now you're talking about the integration cost for 22, but we should have expected that the M&A related costs suddenly stops now when we go into 22. Will that run rate continue also until the deal closes? So how should we think about those costs? Yeah, no, there's no more M&A related costs. They've been taken uh, in connection with the transaction. Now there will be uh, only integration costs as we uh, as we move forward. Perfect. That, that, that's very clear. And then, could you comment a bit on, on where you see the proportion of uh, aftermarket sale from consumables at the moment in the business? You had a target a while back of reaching about 10% by 2019, and I think you, you, you achieved that. So, where, 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 are, you, where are you now? Uh, I think the, the ballpark is, is uh, similar to what it was in the past, and it's one of the considerations that we need to look at when we look at the strategy and, and, and portfolio. And then uh, dive inside uh, the service business and look at areas areas to grow. But it's uh, as you said, it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, could be higher. Uh, got it. And then just the final clarification. I think the logistics cost until end of 21 had they not been affected by the higher freight rates because you had longer term contracts on those. Was that right? Uh, yeah, lots. Uh, most of the deliveries were uh, done using the, the kind of long-term agreements for the logistics partners, uh, and, and also we tightened up the delivery terms, uh, whether it's uh, DDP, XWorks. So we've actually done work because we realized that uh, for certain uh, uh, 
certain uh, products uh, that we use too much uh, DDP, and then then suddenly if the if there's a, if there's a additional freight cost, then then it, it's a big difference between kind of a DAP or XWorks and then uh, DDP. So we've been tightening the, the kind of delivery terms to kind of not not to leak uh, leak any any and have a cost leakage uh, because of deliveries, but uh, but uh, actually for overall cost. Uh, had a sm- sm- some impact the the increased freight cost, but uh, I would say it's not material uh, in the bigger scheme of things. Okay, got it. So so into twenty two, then we should expect that the, the, the sort of the, the the delivery cost and the contract that you're signing will sort of roll over to a quite a substantially higher base than we saw in twenty one. Then uh, that is correct. Line with I guess what we said on the contract rates. Okay, got it. Brilliant. Thank you so much. There are no further questions. I hand back to you, speakers. I would like to thank you uh, for your for your time with us, and and uh, and, and just keep in mind our, our management agenda. What we have, uh, we are we are fairly religious about that one, so it's quite clear where we will f- be focusing on in in the coming months and years, and and uh, that is good guidance also for the future priorities of of FLC management. So. Keep that in mind and, and look forward to talking to many of you uh, during the road, so, so meeting, meeting uh, in other occasions. So, so thanks for your time and, uh, and, uh, and your, your interest for FSMIT. Thank you.